What's up, everybody? Welcome to PSI Love You XOXO, episode 23. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. It's good to be here with you today. I've known you a long time. Yeah. I'm lucky. The hole in the shirt. I love you. That shirt, dude, it's time to let go. (laughs) I've seen this FBI Guantanamo a long time. It's not Guantanamo. It's Guantanamo. No one can read it. There's no way to know what it says anymore. But uh, no, I got the shirt a long time. I'm not what happened to the, what happened in there? You get something ha- no, something happened to P- uh, kind of funny live to this shirt and to uh, the my Ellie shirt from The Last of Us. The holes in the same place, like front and back. Hmm. So oh. like I put it on something. I snagged it on something at some oh. point because well, we had like a bunch of clothes with us yeah. to change yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, that sucks about the other I'm, shirt. I haven't done. I had to do laundry after the show, so I mean, I, I'm just like really low in my shut my drawer right now. Sure. So that's the only. You're gonna do laundry tonight. Yeah. Gotcha. Because I'm I'm leaving in a couple of days to go to San Diego, so I need to start getting rid of some things. Did that you I need cancel to do. your dinner plans? Uh, yeah, I had to because okay. we well because primarily because of this show because I didn't know how late we were gonna go and then I have to get in the car and go have had to have gone to North Beach, so um, it's just not working out. You know, there's just too many things to do. So gotcha. We rescheduled. Gotcha. Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, this. It's PSI Love You XOXO. It's kind of funny.com's PlayStation podcast. So go there, subscribe to all the channels, follow all the other podcasts, keep the mics on. It's also the number one PlayStation podcast on the internet. It posts every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time on youtube.com slash kind of funny games, along with MP3 services around the globe. When I remember to post it on SoundCloud. Sure. My big beef with this SoundCloud. Yeah, you fucked up. You fucked up. You can't, uh, you can't auto publish it. Well, yeah, 20 minutes in, somebody's like, it's not up on the thing. It's like, all right. So I went over there, did it. Up That's fine. I did fuck it up a little bit. I'm not. Uh, I don't. I'm as proud of it as I am this game show. This isn't a game show. It's a mall rats quote. Oh, okay. Michael well, I, Michael I, I, Rooker. Remember right. Michael Rooker? Yeah, I do. Resurgence in his career. I'll tell you what. This Guardians of the Galaxy put him back on the map. Yeah. Then he got on the Walking Dead. Well, Walking Dead first, I think. Then Guardians of the Galaxy. Somewhere right around there. But now Rook's a big deal. But I was in on the ground floor of Rooker. I liked him in the Shocker movie, and I liked him in this year the Mall Rats. Not that one. Oh. No. You remember this one where he's a horror guy? He got electrocuted. Then he went through. The electrical lines to kill this kid? No. Can't say I remember. Oh, you missed a good movie. You should go look that one up, everybody. Colin. Yeah. Let's begin the show with what is and forever will be Roper's Report. <laughs> Time for some news in singular possessive form. There are 14 items on the list. A baker's dozen. I'm going to start with a controversial one. Some people are going to be upset about it, but... I don't really care. Why would they be upset about it? Well, you'll see. Okay. Because I think this is the right thing to do. Okay. And so I'm going to do it. Some people are going to be upset, and that's just the way it's going to have to be. Number one, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia passed away this weekend at the age of 79. A controversial justice appointed to the high court in 1986 by Ronald Reagan. Scalia earned much scorn for his conservative social views. However, his strict constructionist tendencies also once came to the aid of video games in a very pivotal way. In 2011 Supreme Court case Brown versus the Entertainment Merchants Association, the court voted 7-2 to to protect the freedom of expression of video games, and Scalia wrote the majority opinion in which he said, courtesy of GameSpot, quote, The most basic principle that government lacks the power to restrict expression because of its message, ideas, subject matter, or content is subject to a few limited exceptions for historically unprotected speech, such as obscenity, incitement, and fighting words. But a legislature cannot create new categories of unprotected speech simply by weighing the value of a particular category against its social costs and then punishing it if it fails the test. Reading Dante is unquestionably more cultured and intellectually edifying than playing Mortal Kombat, but these cultural and intellectual differences are not constitutional ones, end quote. In response to his death and the pivotal role Scalia played in protecting the industry's freedom of expression against onerous governmental regulations and restrictions, the ESA, essentially the the gaming industry's Washington lobbying arm, released the following statement, quote, 
The Entertainment Software Association joins those who salute the service and mourn the loss of Justice Scalia. In 2011, when our industry defended the rights of creators and consumers of video games before the U.S. Supreme Court, it was Justice Scalia who authored the historic majority opinion. He declared with no ambiguity that video games, like books, movies, and other forms of expression, are deserving of First Amendment protections. It was a momentous day for our industry and those who love the entertainment we create, and we are indebted to Justice Scalia for so eloquently defending the rights of creators and consumers everywhere. End quote. So I wanted to throw that in there. That's not controversial. It is because... You're a big wuss. I'm not a wuss. You're a big wuss. Okay. Uh, Justice, uh, I had, you know... Justice Scalia died on Saturday morning. I woke up and I was surprised by that because he was not sick. Right. Um, Out of the blue, it seemed like. Yeah. And uh, it's a massive, how massive consequences this year for the election. Um, do you think Obama pushes one through? Yeah. I mean, he has every right to do that. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, but uh, first of all, I saw a lot of disgusting celebration of the man's death mm-hmm. on Twitter. Um, he was an advocate for things that social things that I don't agree with. Um, his strict constructionist view, well, marriage equality, or the, you know things like that. Like sure. he, he definitely had, uh, you know, uh, would have come down on this more socially conservative side on things like abortion or ga- gotcha. you know, gay marriage and stuff like that, and things that I don't agree with. But I thought that the celebration of his death was totally disgusting, um, and unbecoming, um, and uncivilized. Um, and uh, I wanted to, you know, even though I don't agree with a lot of the things he said, I wanted to give him props for this one thing because he, anyone who knows in terms what of happened us. in 2011, um, he came down on our side and wrote that majority opinion. Um, and it wasn't like it was a split court, it was seven to two. But, um, you know, I wanted to give him a shout out as he passes into the next big ups, whatever. Justice Scalia. <clears throat> Number two. The PlayStation 4 once again outsold the Xbox One in the United States, this time in January, according to the monthly NPD report. Sony released the following statement as a result, quote, thanks to our fans and partners for making PlayStation 4 the top selling platform and software sales leader in January, according to NPD. PS4 also saw impressive year over year growth in both hardware and software sales. We appreciate the support and will continue to deliver on our promise to bring the best entertainment experience to gamers. Sounds like Jack Trenton wrote that. Jackie T. Yeah. Ghost Triton. And then number three, software sales uh, were also released by MPD chronicling games sold at retail in the U.S. for the month of January. The top 10 best-selling games were in order. Call of Duty Black Ops 3, Grand Theft Auto 5, NBA 2K16, Star Wars Battlefront, Fallout 4, Minecraft, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege, Madden NFL 16, Lego, Marvel, Avengers, and FIFA 16. PS4 was the best-selling SKU on Grand Theft Auto 5, NBA 2K16, Fallout 4, Madden NFL 16, Lego Marvel Avengers, and FIFA 16. Xbox One bested it with Call of Duty Black Ops uh, 3. There's two. No one's going to see it. Fix your airs. Star Wars Battlefront and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. 360 led the charge on Minecraft, mm. as usual. Now, it's interesting to note, Greg, that um, Call of Duty Black Ops 3 and Star Wars Battlefront both had, um, both had uh, bundles. Yeah, so we don't have those numbers, right? So we don't know like what how the bundles because the the numbers don't aren't the software sales aren't counting bundles. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege, however, did also I think have an Xbox One bundle and still won the software sales race. So it's it's unclear if that affects anything at all. A boring month, yeah. Bunch usually, of bo- usually is yeah. Well, later we'll have the There's PSN no digital b- sales and it's way more interesting. No big that. games got released. No new things that were sure. you know amazing other than Lego Marvel Avengers, of course, starring me. Uh, but you know. Yeah, there was no big breakout hits. That seems, you know, that seems like the same list we've read over and over and over again. Sure, sure. But good on you, I guess. Number four. Nothing is sacred, for it appears 
that Knack 2 is real. Motherfucker. And is currently in development. We begged you to stop. A 3D animator named Mindy Lang, who works at XPEC Entertainment, let word slip in her online CV, noting that the Taiwanese developer she works at has been contributing to Knack 2 since May of 2015. Her write-up, which has since been removed, says, quote, animated 3D character, characters, motions, and cutscenes for PS4 system, end quote. She's also working on Final Fantasy XV, according to the same CV. Sony has yet commented on the game's existence, if it's simply a proof of concept, if it's real, or if this was posted on mistake. And I wrote, It's just so surprising. You wrote, there's more. But clearly there's a great chance that it's real, not only because the CV indicates it is, yeah. but because Knack actually sold more than well enough to warrant a sequel, mm-hmm. regardless of its cool critical reception. As far as I know, it sold over a million copies. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it, we just talked about this last week, and I thought that it was clearly obvious that they were going to make a sequel. But um, we begged them not to. Well... I begged them not to. Knack isn't abysmal, but it's not good. And uh, there's like there's potential there, and then it's a potential to to expand maybe their more more youthful element of PlayStation Four. Sure, but and it's not unusual for studios to ex you know to outsource art. It seems like this young lady in Taiwan is also working on Final Fantasy Fifteen. Yeah, she's not at Square, so I think that it's pretty clear that the game's real. Yes, I do too. And I tell you right now, it's going to do horribly. It's going to come out and do horribly. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Knack One moved a million units or more. Then it, there it was, was a launch. It was a launch game. There, everything that you put anything out at launch, it sold the great. Come on now, come on now. Who's been talking about Knack? <laughs> we talked shit about Knack probably the last three or four weeks. Maybe five people have r- risen up to defend Knack, right. and usually it wasn't that bad. Is the response? It wasn't that, that bad. bad. I think that it's. I think that it was. Some people are giving it fours, and I mean it's not that, that bad. Yeah, but it's for me. Like I played it. Yeah, I, t- I said before that that was a game that we previewed a lot. I previewed it in Japan. I previewed it, I think, in Europe. I previewed it here in the States. And it never previewed bad. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be fantastic, but I thought it was going to be good. Um, but when I played it, when it, you know, in a retail environment, um, the game crashed constantly. Um, the thing that was scary about it was, it was just, every preview you played or saw seemed like the last preview, and it ne- not necessarily was. Like, wait, this is all this is? Yeah. This thing is just doing this over and over again? It's definitely a weird game. My my and my pro, my prediction on doing terribly is the fact that even if it comes out and it's like knack two, it's gonna be better and we fixed this and did that. You still have a million people who felt like they bought a lukewarm launch game and aren't like I I just haven't heard the outcry for knack two. No people are talking about knack. This isn't a beloved character in knack. Yeah, I I, I um the bigger thing that I read into it is that the game's gonna come out. Maybe it's not even gonna be a retail game. I don't know, but like. What does it mean for other launch games? Killzone, I was thinking about. Killzone must have sold very well, too. So sure. does that mean just based on sales, we will also get a new Killzone game? Um, well, you've been of the mind that Gorilla isn't done with Killzone. They're no, just taking I don't, a, I don't a, think so. a side here. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think they're done maybe with Killzone. Maybe two teams. I don't know that Killzone's not in development right now. Not necessarily Gorilla, but maybe somewhere else. Get another um, Vita one. I don't know. I don't think that 2 is necessarily a mistake. They just have to keep their costs and their expectations of it in line. I mean, when you look at the numbers, it did. Some people liked it, and it might have. They might have data or evidence suggesting that people liked the game a lot more than the critics did, or that just children liked it, or a certain sure. subsect liked it that they can sell it to. So I don't think you know. You know, people have often been wondering when will Knack be a PS Plus game, and well, now you know. Yeah. <clears throat> I predict it'll do very badly. Number five. Not surprisingly, a new Call of Duty game is coming out later in 2016, and Infinity Ward has confirmed via Twitter that it's the studio's turn to deliver a game in the long-running series. This doesn't come as a huge surprise, considering it is their turn in the development cycle, but this is the first time it's been confirmed. Infinity Ward was responsible for the original Call of Duty game, as well as Call of Duty 2, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, and Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Its most recent Call of Duty, Ghosts, launched in 2013. No other details about the nature of its new entry in the franchise is currently known. So, not a huge surprise there. Mm -mm. Not at all. 
But good on you. Number six. Destiny is indeed getting a proper sequel, and it's coming in 2017, according to publisher Activision, which confirmed the news in its earnings report via Polygon. Additionally, the publisher is planning one final push for the original Destiny with a, quote, large new expansion, end quote, due out later in 2016. The Dark Below, House of Wolves, and The Taken King are the other expansions so far released for the game. Additionally, developer Bungie is working on a substantial patch for the spring that will bring some fixes, tweaks, and new additions. So, not too long until we get Destiny 2. Uh, early leaks had indicated that the the, um, the game wouldn't have been out already, or right. maybe coming out this year. But, but then, yeah, that was, and that was that led to some confusion. I feel in the uh, echo chamber, as you call it. I saw Destin on there arguing that this wasn't a delay because some people were reporting that Destiny Two delayed. When in reality, if they haven't announced something, can it be delayed? They've altered the timeline for sure. They have expansions coming out. They're doing so well. Why force Destiny Two right now? Right, plans are plans change, and there's no reason to do it. And I think that Destiny Two might be might have been ready on the original timeline based on the scope of the game they thought they wanted to release. But I think they realize that there must be much more. Right, in the next and that's one. what they've been doing with Taken King and all these other you know right. the expansions, filling in the content people want. Yeah, my suspicion is that Destiny Two will be quite quite meaty. Mm, yeah. Number seven. The long-awaited reveal of Fallout 4's single-player DLC may just be around the corner. In a duo of tweets launched late last week, developer Bethesda Game Studio said the following, quote, We know you're ready to learn what's coming for Fallout 4 DLC. We're not far off, and we think you'll be excited. We're also doing a complete overhaul of Fallout 4 survival mode. Food, sleep, diseases, danger, and more. Stay tuned, end quote. Conventional Wisdom states that the reveal will come at Bethesda's E3 press conference, which it recently confirmed. But it's possible they announce the DLC before E3 and then show it off for the first time at the big show. You think that's what's going to happen? I don't know why they would say that, and if they were planning on saying something in E3, maybe they're afraid of a leak, so they they're gonna get it out. That of maybe just getting people to simmer down a bit because people are fired up and asking a lot of questions. They see the you know questions continue to rise, no no response. They see it. They just gotta say something. Yeah, I think that um, they should hold it if they can. Everything sure. about it. Yeah, but, you want that E3 conference to be banging. But it could also indicate if they're gonna announce it earlier and then show it at E3 that they have some big guns. And I still think that obviously Machine Games and Tango will be big players at the E3 conference this year, probably with Diva Within 2 and Wolfenstein 2. So um, that'll be fun. Yeah. I'm excited. I mean, I'm, we knew Fallout 4 was coming, right? I called that one a mile away. That, yeah. was, the, that was the pivotal column was the right moment. So the conference was exciting to see the game, but we knew what was going to happen. Sure. This is more exciting because we have no idea what they're going to do. Right. We don't know. Machine games and Tango are up, but we don't know what they're doing. You have to assume Evil Within is going to get a sequel. The game sold way better than they, they anticipated it would. Right. Um, even though it was in development for some time. And uh, machine games, some, there's some conjecture that they'll work on Quake or something next, and I, I mm. think that would be a massive mistake. Sure. What, with what they have with Wolfenstein is so, so, so good. You know, but like, don't, you don't want too much too fast? You don't, but they announced that they don't release it this year. Sure. Um, maybe maybe they do. I don't know. Because like we, like we analyzed last week, Bethesda announced Fallout 4 release it and soon thereafter but Dishonored 2 was announced and is still not out so it's not like they're they're married to that idea sure Dishonored can be their big fall game right and I don't think anybody would sit here and tell you Wolfenstein has the following or legacy that Fallout has right no. in terms of where they're at right now don't get me wrong I understand Wolfenstein's importance to the industry but in no, terms of important. like yeah you know being able to be like alright here it's out and we don't need to give it you a preview cycle we don't need to they have to come out and be like we learned a lot the opening's on it. we learned how to open a game and it's not going to be like that and this is going to be in your face yeah, and that was so thing. bad The that was too bad really because it was I wonder how many people, people yeah. turned, yeah. got turned yeah. off from that um, but once you get into the mental hospital yeah it's, or maybe it's just a regular hospital I don't think it was a mental hospital in the beginning of the game. Yeah, no, good. I know exactly what you're talking about when you haven't, you haven't spoken so in like nine years or whatever. Good. Yeah, it's no, that was awesome. so good. You stand up and you are a killing machine. Um, it would be such a waste for them not to do another one. Yeah. And that will be like immediately my most anticipated game if it's announced. Number eight. 
Assassin's Creed is finally taking a break from its yearly release schedule. The publisher released an official blog post noting the following. It says, a message from the Assassin's Creed team on UB Blog. It's an exciting time for Assassin's Creed. We're only a few months removed from the de- debut of Jacob and Evie Fry, the stars of Assassin's Creed Syndicate. We're proud of the talented team in Quebec City and all of our studios around the world that took part in bringing the Victorian London adventures of our twin assassins to life. We truly hope you enjoy playing Assassin's Creed Syndicate as much as our studios enjoyed making it. Also, we recently unveiled the first images of Academy Award nominee Michael Fassbender in action as our lead assassin in the upcoming Assassin's Creed movie that hits theaters on December 21st, 2016. Having already visited the set, we can't begin to describe how surreal and exciting it is to walk the real-life halls of Abstergo or see the intricate replicas of assassin weaponry. We have an outstanding cast and crew that want to honor the rich lore of Assassin's Creed and bring a fresh perspective to the ongoing battle between assassins and Templars that's fit for the big screen. This year, we are also stepping back and re-examining the Assassin's Creed franchise. As a result, we've decided that there will, be not, there will not be a new Assassin's Creed game in 2016. Since the release of Assassin's Creed Unity, we've learned a lot based on your feedback. We've also updated our development processes and recommitted to making Assassin's Creed a premier open-world franchise. We're taking this year to evolve the game mechanics and to make sure we're delivering on the promise of Assassin's Creed, offering unique and memorable gameplay experiences that make history everyone's playground. We'll have more to share on all of the above soon. In the meantime, we want to say thank you to our millions of fans around the world for your continued support how stoked are you that's a great idea disappear for more than a year yeah go away (laughs) like there are other there are other assassin's creed needs an overhaul i think that it's clear i think unity was the beginning of the end um but obviously the new assassin's creed game did not sell that well which is a shame because it was cool characters and cool thing but yeah but that's the problem that when you do something year after year after year after year obviously the momentum the hype dies down yeah i think that they could it would be very smart of them to um, reconsider what they're doing mechanically, and they've called that out specifically in the blog post, which I was really, which I really thought the game plays like shit. At least the ones that I did, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like they have evolved that very much. And I don't understand why they can't make it feel better. This is the same. Uh, th- this is the same publisher that puts out Far Cry, which is a. It's not the same studios, but again, the same publisher that puts out a, a game that feels so good to play and is so smooth, and then. And they learn things from the other games in the in the industry, and they and they and they evolve the product. But Assassin's Creed is just is just it just looks and it feels stagnant. I don't understand why it has to feel the way it feels and why it has to play the way it plays. You know, yeah. it just doesn't play right. And I don't care. Like that was the thing about Assassin's Creed Three, which was the last one I spent any amount of time with. Which was it was a game I wanted to love. Like I was so excited to play it because of its setting. And its setting's a ten. It's 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 a uh, world building and characters a ten. I love it. But the game plays like shit. And it's enough. The problem I think you, you know? saw is the fact that people like you have been, or you took the exit ramp, right? And so I feel like if you're an Assassin's Creed fan, and you're going to buy Assassin's Creed, you're on the highway. You're already there. And so as they see more and more people leave and they see these, you know, Unity drop and then Syndicate drop, they're like, stop. And this, I mean, this is to their credit exactly what they said when they said, why do we put out an Assassin's Creed every year, right? We put it out because you buy it every year. And now they're seeing people aren't buying it every year. So like, all right, cool, we'll stop. You know what I mean? This is, it's one of those where you want to hate on these companies all the time, right? Of like, oh, they did this and they just annualization. They're speaking to the market, right? And the market's demand. And they're reacting right here. And Ubisoft's been upfront about it. Yeah. So I, it'll I be actually, interesting what they come back with. I'd, I never got the evil corporate vibes from Ubisoft ever. So I don't, so this isn't, this isn't a huge surprise to me considering the games they do put out they do take risks and do yeah. weird things like child of light and valiant hearts yeah, which valiant are fantastic hearts. games um i love valiant hearts i think child of light's even better i mean i think those are both fucking awesome games and they have rayman which is amazing and they have um you know but but it's what's funny about it is that they immediately took watchdogs and were like this isn't right mm-hmm. and they just they just disappeared right for a while they could have gotten watchdogs out again quicker and watchdogs we'll, we'll talk about that next but 
it's funny that it took him so long to take the hint. And again, I think you're right. It's the sales. It's the it's the good Metacritic scores. It's but yeah, they are clearly seeing a a, a, a demolishing. I think of the studio at, or the, of the series at, at a base level. What I wonder is if it seems like their cycle is so constant. Like, how far in development was the next one? And are, are they? That's and are a great they, question. And are they canceling it, or are they just you reworking it, or? Who knows? I mean, blow I, up the in- engine and start again. You know what I mean? Like come back with something that's really new, really going to turn heads and really be fresh. Because like this goes back to I think what we're talking about with just franchise fatigue. Even when we mentioned Call of Duty, right? Like there was a time when like Call of Duty came out, and then the time when Assassin's Creed came out, and they were everywhere. You couldn't escape them. Assassin's Creed Three, in particular, is the one where marketing was fucking everywhere mm-hmm. for that game. And then this year. Syndicate came, it felt like out of nowhere. Sure, we saw trailers. There was a leak as always on Kotaku. But I mean, like, it was like, oh, that's out this week. Oh, fuck. You know what I mean? And nobody was talking about it. Nobody cared. And then you sat down and you played like, this is really good. But clearly, everyone's so sick of Assassin's Creed at this point. Yeah, we'll see how it all goes. I mean, what they are desperate for is someone who knows how to make compelling, solid third-person gameplay. It's not. It can't be that hard. There are so many games that do it right. There are so many. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean your game has to be arcadey like Ninja Gaiden or something like that. It just means it doesn't have to be stiff and nonsensical. Sure. And I just don't understand why they can't fix it and like why they even needed to take a year off to fix it. Like just fix it. You well, because fix fixing it makes it sound too easy, right? If you're in this engine, you've been in forever. Sure, but make little tweaks. It's not like the game has stayed but, static. But, I mean, but that's the thing is like as somebody who has played since three, they have made little tweaks, right? They do have the thing now where it's like the, I forget what, how, what they, how they call it, but there's like the run up button and then there's the run down button. So you're not fucking jumping off to your death. You know what I mean? They put so, buttons in there. They've made yeah. the little tweaks you're saying you want or that, you know, you're, you're, they've tweaked it is what I'm saying to try to address this. But in the end, you're going back to this foundation and like this is the foundation. They can't go through and blow up the way things move and change unless they literally go in and blow it up. Yeah. And the combat needs a lot of work too. Like the combat is so boring. It, it's, there's just, there's just so much they can do and it's such a yeah. shame because i agree with you i watch you play syndicate pretty extensively and and um i was like this, is, this looks awesome this looks so awesome yeah, that's yeah. never been the problem never been the problem. always been gorgeous games yeah always been compelling interesting characters great voice acting and, and performances great animation i mean it's oh like everything about it has always been great except for like but you got it's a game you want to you got to play it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. number nine speaking of ubisoft Watch Dogs 2 will launch no later than april 2017 they had a little else to say about the game in their conference call, I think. One that, uh, one that we've known for some time has been in development, and one that has long been rumored to take place here in San Francisco. <gasps> we'll eagerly await more on it in the coming months with a possible full reveal at E3, which is a, you assume is when it will happen. Yeah. That'll be, that's going to be the interesting one when they reveal that at E3 of how close that being out is. It Is it the fall game? You know, you hope so. I think Watch Dogs has momentum behind it in t- terms you could come out and be like, we're doing it. They still do a preview cycle, obviously, and show it to people, but have it out and be, have that be the big UB game of the fall. That'd you be know nice. Because I, mean? I, keep, I keep banking on the fact, having seen nothing from it, that this is going to be Assassin's Creed to Assassin's Creed 2, Watch Dogs to Watch Dogs 2, where Assassin's Creed, I didn't really did gel with the first time around, but 2 I love. And I'm hoping yeah. I love Watch Dogs 2. Yeah, Watch Dogs was another example where life's too short to play games that like don't hook you're you. not feeling. You love, hook yeah. you. And I played Watch Dogs for years, and I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah. No, this is not ready. And that was what sucked for me in it's particular. Like this, Watchdogs should have been my fucking jam, right? You're this vigilante. You're in Chicago. You're using. I'm like, this sounds awesome. And then I played it. Like, Ugh, no, it's just not very good. I mean, that like, it might get better later on, but just the way it, again, the way it felt. You got to play these games, and there's just examples of these kinds of games that are just much better. So like, why sure. half baked that? Why waste your time? Right. You know, I had to walk away from it. I think a lot of people felt similarly. Number 10, wrapping up the Ubisoft news segment, the publisher revealed that South Park, the Stick of Truth, which is purchased from the THQ fire sale and which was developed by Obsidian Entertainment, 
sold more than 5 million copies. In an earnings call with Ubisoft relayed by GameSpot, Ubisoft CFO Elaine Martinez said that the game was a, quote, very nice positive surprise. We have the conviction that we can, be South, we can beat South Park this time again with a fractured butthole, end quote. Awesomely, South Park co-creators Matt Stone and Trey Parker are said to be super hands-on with the game, as they were the last time, and the game will reportedly be ready for launch sooner than originally thought. Can't fucking wait. Just as the publisher confirmed that Watch Dogs 2, Ghost Recon, Wildlands, and For Honor would come out in the 2016-2017 fiscal year, South Park the, but- the Fractured Butthole is on pace for release by April 2017. That'd be awesome. That could be the fall game. God, that'd be awesome. Because it seems like we lose sight, I think, with South Park, um, The Stick of Truth, which I want to reiterate every time I talk about it. It's a must play. Yeah. South Park, The Stick of Truth is fucking awesome. A must play game. And uh, we lose sight, I think, sometimes of the fact that that game was tortured. It was. I don't yeah. know that it took. It should have taken nearly as long as it did. Between THQ's crumbling, they probably ran out of money. That game was probably put on the shelf for a long time. Then Ubisoft comes in, they have to figure out what they have, and they have to get the game going again with Obsidian. The game seemed to be like quite a, quite a ways along by the time that they acquired it. And then I think that the word was is that Parker and Stone didn't really know what they were doing in terms of game development, and not that there's anything wrong with that. It's a different beast than what they're doing with cartoon creation. And there was just a lot of confusion. Well, the thing and was, they, and they want to l- use what they learned to make the new game. Hosting the panel and talking to them about it, the pro- I think the main problem on Matt and Trey's side, right, is the fact that they were so hands-on with it. They were trying to treat it like an episode, which meant they just kept pouring more and more into it, more and more references, more and more voices, all these different things, right? And that's where it really got bogged down. The fact that they didn't cut it off at some point. They kept going into it. And then it just became, like you said, it moves around so much that for it to be South Park, it has to be topical in a way, right? There has to be these references, and you go right. through that way. So I just think that it was a perfect storm of nonsense to really injure the game's ability right. to be in any respect timely. And so we have to, I think, look at that and assume that Obsidian ended up taking maybe twice as long as they probably should have. Sure. And so if that's true, then the, and the game's been in development, the game was announced at E3 last year, it was probably in development maybe for a year even before that. It's like we were talking to with Campo Santos, right, where they were talking about the fact of uh, they're excited for the next game because they don't have to do everything again, right? Whereas this game was like for Matt and Trey, right, trying to make this RPG from the ground up and not knowing what the pitfalls are going to be. And even Ubisoft, granted, not, you know, the same developer, not using Obsidian, they still see what they did, how they did it, use the engine, go from there. We'll see. We will. I'm excited about it. Before April 2017. Definitely one of my most anticipated games. Words on. Number 11, as we already know, id Software is long in development new Doom game, simply called Doom, will launch on May 13th. However, we now have an idea of how long the game's single-player campaign will take to defeat. In a response to a tweet asking how long the game will be, the official at Doom Twitter account noted that, quote, the difficulty level plays a factor, but folks playing at the office average 13-plus hours in the campaign, end quote. So pretty meaty Sounds just campaign. about Can't right. Wait. Just about right. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't fucking wait to play that game. Do Very excited. you think you're going to go to hell? Uh, yeah. You think you'll fight some demons? Uh, yeah. You're going to use a shotgun? Yeah. A BFG? Yeah. Okay. Very excited. Yeah. Definitely one of my most anticipated games by far. Looking forward to watching you play it. Then I'll decide if I'm going to play it. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Sure. No, I bet the mechanics and everything else are going to be amazing. Yeah. Number 12. Sony has revealed the best-selling games sold digitally on the PlayStation Store for the month of January 2016. The top 10 best-selling games on PS4 were in order. Minecraft, Rocket League, Grand Theft Auto V, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, Infamous Second Son, Dragon Age Inquisition, The Witness, Far Cry 4, and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. I would like to see The Witness higher. Yeah, sales probably buttressed a lot of that. Sure, yeah, yeah, of course. That's why Second Son's on there for some reason. Also, The Witness came out pretty late in the month. Sure. 
PS3's top 10 best-selling games were in order. Minecraft, Call of Duty, Black Ops 3. What'd you, what'd you do? What's the spelling? Two. Okay. Mass Effect Trilogy, Need for Speed Rivals, Devil May Cry HD Collection, Grand Theft Auto 5, Resident Evil 0 HD, Mortal Kombat Arcade Collection, Dragon Age Inquisition, and Mortal Kombat. Vita's top 10 best-selling games were in order. Persona 4 Golden, Bastion, Minecraft, Tearaway, Danganronpa 2 Goodbye Despair, Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc, Terraria, Steinsgate, Final Fantasy 10 10 2 HD Remaster, and Don't Starve. The top 10 best-selling PlayStation classics were in order. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, Grand Theft Auto The Trilogy, Dark Cloud 2, Final Fantasy 7, Xenogears, Parasite Eve, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Suikoden, Star Wars Bounty Hunter, and Grand Theft Auto Vice City. DLC charts for both PS4 and PS3 were dominated by Call of Duty Black Ops 3, huge. Destiny, Rocket League, and the like. Number 13. A new Dead Island game called Dead Island Retro Revenge was rated by the Australian Games Board, though few other details about it are currently known. Deep Silver, via Coke Media Listing, will act as publisher, which isn't surprising since it owns the IP. The game will be developed by Empty Clip Studios, the studio behind Groovin' Blocks and Symphony. It's not confirmed to be coming to a PlayStation platform or any other platform, but it's fairly safe to assume it'll be on PS4. We'll retro, what is it? Retro Revenge. Dead Island, Island Retro, retro Revenge. Revenge. What do you, you read into that one? A port. Do you think it's just a bundling of the last two Dead Islands? Dead Probably. Island, since they need to fucking make yeah. some money, since Dead Island 2 isn't anywhere close, so Dead Island and Dead Island Riptide. Probably, because Empty Clip Studios is a porting studio. There you go. Um, Maybe the trophies will work this time. Well, we'll see. You better hope so. Number 14, turn-based strategy. This is the, the wrap-up. The wrap-up. Turn-based strategy slash puzzle game Hitman Go launches on PS4 and Vita on February 23rd. Are you going to play it? Are you stoked for yeah, it? I will. Dude, it's, uh, it's good. It looks good. Uh, it's too bad it was stranded on this touch platform no one uses before, but here it is. I played it at that event not too long ago. Enjoyed myself quite a bit. And going to be an easy platinum. Cool. Arcade shooter Inverses comes to PS4 this spring. The clever yet hard to describe Party Hard, which you like, comes to PS4 this spring. Nights and Bikes, a game under development by some devs for Media Molecule and others, recently launched its Kickstarter and will be coming to PS4 upon launch. So stoked about that one. Four-player RPG Sword Coast Legends is coming to PS4 this spring. Dungeon Management Simulator Dungeons 2 comes to PS4 on April 26th. I love Dungeon Management Simulator. Post-apocalyptic survival game Sheltered, which looks really fucking cool, is heading to PS4, quote, in the coming months, end quote. The tower defense-like Blast and Bunnies comes to PS4 and Vita on March 8th and will cost $4.99. And finally, split-screen FPS Screen Cheat comes to oh. PS4 on March 1st. Man, and we played that forever ago. For the news. Colin. Yes. We've played Screen Sheet. Screen Sheet's fun. You remember it? No. You can't, you remember, you, I know that you like, you're invisible, right. so you have to look at other, you have to screen sheet, look at other people's screens on the split screen to know where to shoot for the, to kill the other guy or whatever. It's fun stuff. Idea. It's yeah. a clever idea, but it's a ways off. Right. But I want to know what came to the mom and grop shops digitally and in, in the stores and shit. Where would I go? You go to the upcoming list of PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, sometimes PSP software by the kind of funny co-founders. First up is the escapist, the walking dead comes to PS4 digitally. Says players take on the role of iconic protagonist Rick Grimes as he wakes up in the Harrison Memorial Hospital. The levels follow the timeline of the comics, seeing Rick travel to various locations such as the Green Family Farm, Merriweather Correctional Facility, Woodbury, and Alexandria. The escape. The, this came to Xbox a long time ago. Finally coming to PlayStation 4. Congratulations. This is that prison escape game, right? But now it's got the Walking Dead stuff on right. it. Didn't you do a Let's Play with Nick about it or yeah, something? Yeah, the escapist. It's Isn't it very, super hardcore? Yeah, it's very, very hard. Mm -hmm. At least I found it to be that way. Yeah. And not in a bad way. Just like I don't really have You the got time. dropped in. Exactly. You got dropped in and now you got to go in there and actually work. Layers of Fear comes to PS4 digitally. So there's a tragic past, an unfinished painting, and a crumbling psyche. These are the core elements that make up the setting of Layers of Fear, a new psychological horror game coming to PS4. 
You've been playing it. I played. I'm almost to the end. I'm in. I'm on the last chapter. I had to stop because I got a phone call late last night. But uh, I beat it as well. Yeah. Um, are you enjoying it? Well, first of all, I want to say before we say anything about this Great game point. that we have a sponsorship with these guys. Right. Um, the video is the, up today on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games at 11:30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So while I say with confidence that it wouldn't affect us, it wouldn't way. affect us at all. You can take it with a grain of salt if you want. Sure. That said, I really like it. Yeah. Now, my initial inter- interpretation of it, having played just a sliver of it for our video, is like this is not like this doesn't make any sense. I don't really understand what this is. Um. To, but so, it's to, really pretty fucking good. I got to be honest with you. To give reference, if you because you haven't seen the Let's Play yet, probably, unless you're listening to this later, and either way, you should go check it out. We went up to a haunted mansion, or, you know, haunted mansion, a mansion that supposedly has ghosts in it, and played this in, like, uh, basically like a relay thing where you pass the baton, you go and play. So when we when Colin, Colin was first wave, he went up there and played it. He's got Nick, Tim, and I being idiots in his ear and all this other stuff, and they're trying to scare us and all this other stuff. And then I went and played it, and I jo- jumped into the chapter after Colin, so I have no fucking idea what's happening, what this game's about or whatever. And I was like, that seemed like it could have been cool, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it was whatever. And then what came home and played it with the lights off and had put on headphones, and I was like, oh, this is fun. This actually is creepy. You know what I mean? Yep. It runs like shit sometimes on PlayStation 4. It doesn't run very well. Yeah, compared to PS, PC for sure. It is a walking simulator. Not Again, not in a disparaging way. For me, it's... I like, liked it way more than Firewatch. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll say that like in terms of like, you know, sure. unless the ending is just a disaster. Sure. But I'm like so close to it. Sure, anyway. sure, 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 sure. It's, it's super um, fucking weird. It's a, it's, it's a cousin to PT. It's not... As scary as PT was or whatever in that limited dose, but it's the same idea where you go through and like you do something and you turn around and the room's completely different and you turn back around the rooms and you turn back around and you're scared. You know what I mean? Like there's some jump scare. It's definitely, um, it's definitely inspired by PT. A hundred percent. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, but you know, and I don't say that to disparage Firewatch because I liked Firewatch fine. I just think that it, it this has a bigger this seems to have a bigger payoff. Again, I don't know exactly what the payoff is, but it's one of those games like many like Gone Home where the more time you put into it in terms of exploring and finding things and reading about things, it's really interesting how like you really don't know anything about anything in the game. Yeah. Until you, and you could just go through the game and go through those motions, having no idea what the fuck's going on. If you don't if find you the letters to, and read, you read the letters and yeah. find the pictures and find, and you like learn about the, the person you're playing as and his wife and his child and his situation. It's fucking really cool. Yeah. Um, it doesn't run very well. Sometimes it's got problems. I don't think it's all that scary. I just think it's it's it's, it's creepy. It's jump scare. It's stuff. atmosphere. What I was when I'm playing it, we you know what I, I I realize is the fact that these kind of video games are. I I prefer so much to the haunted house you go to on like Halloween, where people jump out at you or whatever. It's the same idea. I know that I'm playing this to get turn around to have a light bulb go off to have fruit fall out of a fucking painting or whatever you know what i mean mm. but like it was scarier in that moment because i'm I'm shutting everything else out and doing that and i'm not with my friends and gooning yep. around right i dig it I, I i don't know exactly how much it costs i don't know how I much money you want to well, I, I can get you that i thought it was like 20 bucks yeah i mean it's it's a game that shouldn't take more than three or four hours to beat even if you're thorough it's a, just a, eat dinner go into your room or in your living room shut the lights off and play it for a night see what you think um but again, I wanted to be clear that we do have a sponsorship deal with these guys, so you don't necessarily have to take my word for it. 20 bucks for Layers of Fear. Yeah, so I mean, that's, that's but it's seem, not, that it, seems appropriate. I mean, you might want to maybe wait until it's on sale a little bit. I don't, sure. I don't, I, I don't know that it's, $20 is quite a bit of money, but, did you, but I think Gone Home is worth $20 too, and this is twice as long as Gone Home. Sure. When you were playing it, did the trophies work for you? Like yeah. in terms of like you could see them? I was playing it before they were on the network. Yeah. Does yeah. it have a platinum? I didn't. No. Okay, okay. No. Bullshit. Fuck everything I said. Mitsurugi Kamui Hakai. Comes to PS4 digitally. And I downloaded this as well. I haven't played it yet. Though. What is it? Mitsurugi Kamui Hakai. It's funny you say. Is a story of a demonic sword and the young warrior who stole it for her own ends. 
Hot on her heels is our main character and her best friend. Once friends, but now forced to fight each other. Players will cut their way through arenas filled with monsters, robots, and thugs in need of a good slicing. It seems like... A, I heard it described as a very indie... Yeah, kind of like a Musou. Very indie. Doesn't seem like it has the highest production values. Um, mindless hack and slash. I mean, okay. that's kind of the vibe I got from it, but I have not played it. Okay. Um, it's worth noting, by the way, I guess since we're talking about games we're playing, spent a lot of time this last weekend, Friday, Saturday, a little bit of Sunday, with Saturday morning RPG on video. Oh, yeah. How's, is it still holding up? It's fucking cool. Like, I, I don't... It's not... So these guys raised $10,000 to make this game on Kickstarter. It's not like a, a very high production value game. Sure. But it's cute and it's quirky and it's uh, got some depth to it. So the basic idea of it, and I recommend it, the basic idea of it is that there's five episodes. Each episode's like two hours long, an hour and a half long. Um, but your character carries over from episode to episode. Oh, so nice. like one takes place like in his high school, one takes place like in the town square. It sounds like awesome. Whenever you talk about it. And the idea is... Uh, you fight all these enemies or whatever in turn-based fights, but you have like a trapper keeper, like a binder, and on the binder are like stickers, and you have five stickers active at one time, um, and then a bunch of stickers that you can like mix in and out. They're like scratch and sniff stickers, I guess, which were you know a big deal. I don't know if they even make those anymore, but they were when we were kids. I think some kids went blind, so they don't use them really? anymore. No. Uh, so like one sticker might give you like plus five health. One sticker might reduce the defense of the enemy party by 10% or whatever. And before each battle, like they appear on screen, you have to like scratch them quickly. Yeah. You have like five seconds to like scratch them all and it like pops up like what? So like you got four of them. So it says like 10 enemies, 10% weak or you have 5% health, more health, blah, 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 blah. Sure. And then you go into these battles and then you use these, uh, these devices that you find in the game as like special attacks. So you can like buff your guy out or do regular attacks or use these things. So like you can have like a a compass like you know like that you make circles with and like you can stab an enemy with it or like you can use a ruler to caught like a nun who like beats like they got like, like that's cool you know all, all these kinds of things or, like a basketball that you shoot at someone and like it burns them and then they get like burn damage it's like a pretty good game it's uh not super well balanced it's not like it's not great it's just i like i like it i think it's great but i don't i don't know that everyone would find it that way sure and the references are very culturally 80s so um, your character's name is Marty. He has a skateboard that he moves around on. Nice. Um, the bad guys are clearly GI Joe. Like they're called Commander Hood is like the bad guy, and like the guys are clearly like Vipers from GI Joe. And the Transformers are prominently in it, and they're they're not called Transformers. Sure, of course. Um, and you do little side quests and all sorts of. It's it's pretty cool. Okay. It's cheap too. I, I I recommend it. It's on PS4 and it's on Vita. Um, I don't think there's cross play, but I think it's cross play. But you would have to look into that. Um, but I'm playing on Vita. The load times are a little onerous. Mm. Other than that, I recommend it if you're in, if you're into that sort of thing. And I also to to you know to to satiate the people out there that have been talking to us about it, I did start Trails of Cold Steel. Oh, we got our codes, yeah. Um, you know, I talked to XC last week and got those for us, and I started playing it only for 45 minutes, or whatever. Doesn't wasn't really what I was looking for at the time. We'll get back to it. Um, but I want to let people know that uh, you know, we're traveling like more in the upcoming. That's months. That's my whole thing. I'm just it I'm seems pretty deep. Vita games. Um. The game begins in such a way that I didn't quite understand the combat system per se. There's like a link system. It seems like I was attacking enemies and damaging myself. Like there's things I don't really quite understand about right. the game, but it's a uh, about an academy of kids that you know. It's a very Japanese role playing game. Gotcha. Pixel piracy, which looks awesome, comes to PS4 digitally. If you like pirates, this is the game for you. If you like the sound of recruiting a motley crew and sailing the seven seas in search of booty, other pirate crews to kill and chasing chickens, building your ship block by block, cleaning the poop deck, boarding enemy ships, then jump aboard. Some of that sounded good. Some of it sounded gross. It looks pretty neat. I hope it's good. Rainbow Moon comes to PS4 digitally. Explore a fascinating world and fight deadly creatures in turn-based battles. Visit towns and shops for new equipment, upgrades, and skills. Six playable characters await you in a beautiful role-playing game that lasts more than 40 hours. So I was an early and maybe the first advocate of Rainbow Moon, and it was a game that went under the radar and I've been talking to them recently um, 
about this and about Rainbow Skies, which is the sequel. So I want to be clear that, you know, um, you know, I haven't talked to them about the game. Um, but uh, I really like Rainbow Moon. Now, it's not a game for everyone. It is. Uh, I think calling it just a role playing game, a turn based role playing game is not really accurate. It is turn based, but it is really um, half JRPG, half strategy role playing game. The battles are, are grid based. Um, but you it, loved it. I did. I, I thought it was really good. It's deep and it's weird. It's a really weird game. Um, but if you just like grinding and doing side quests and collecting things and finding things or whatever, and you don't really care about story and stuff like that, it's got it, it's got a lot of that. And it's like a very vividly colored game. The character mo- models are weird. It's just a quirky. It's a very quirky game. It's already on PS3 and then it came to Vita. Um, I don't know if you get it for free if you have it on that. I don't. Those, I yeah. uh, I don't think so. Okay. Because I don't think it was even free on Vita if you had it on PS3. Mm. Um, and their sequel, Rainbow Skies, has been development for a long time, which I'm super excited about. So, um, I recommend Rainbow Moon. <clears throat> Randall's Monday comes to PS4 digitally. A kleptomaniac, a sociopath, and a horrible friend, Randall is potentially one of the most scurrile, scurrile, I think that's how you say it, protagonists since the invention of the hoverboard. Randall's Monday is a crazy space-time odyssey and classic adventure design, spiced up with countless geek culture references of the last 30 years. Okay. The biggest release by a mile on PlayStation 4 this year is Street Fighter V, which mm-hmm. comes to PS4 digitally and retail. The legendary fighting franchise returns, stunning visuals depict the next generation of world warriors in unprecedented detail, while exciting and accessible battle mechanics deliver endless fighting fun for both beginners and veterans. Or, I'm sorry, that both beginners and veterans can enjoy. Gotcha. Thank you. Vince over at IGN, our go-to fighting expert, gave it, I think, an 8. Oh, said yeah. that it was very light on single-player content. Mm, <clears> but is but that what fighting is, games are even about? Yeah, depends on who you ask, I guess. Super Blast Deluxe comes to Vita digitally. Prepare to blast with Red the Imp, a mischievous little rascal with a ferocious appetite for chilies. He has been tasked with lighting up the skies to keep the party going, and he plans to spice up the night before the sun comes out. And finally, Tron Runner comes to PS4 digitally, and someone tweeted at me, I don't remember who you are, so I'm sorry, saying this might be the worst write-up ever. So are you ready for this one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kevin Flynn. He is a legend. The man came up with so many ideas. The world needs to see them. See what they tried to hide. So much unseen for so long. Here it is. The truth. Run program. What? The fuck does that mean? Nailed what is it. the game? Nailed it. Nailed Jesus. it. Jesus. Those guys don't listen to PS I Love You, apparently. They probably do now. They, you know what? They, they're just ballsy. They're just ballsy. They're putting it out there. They know that everybody knows Flynn from Tron. If you know Tron, you know Flynn. There you go. Sure. But, like, what is it? Oh, I don't know. I've never even, seen Tron either. I just runner, know Flynn's important. Runner indicates what the game's going to be, and, and people that know... It's Run slash R, by the way, but it's pronounced Runner. But... um. People that know games know what that is, but you see that Tron Runner, like that might not mean anything to someone. Sure, to mo- many people. Sure, but we don't. They're saying we don't want those nerds to buy this game. That's it for the release. We want the dope ass nerds to buy this game. Mm. My Tron nerds. Yeah, where my Flynn flames at? That Tron game that came out what 2011 maybe. Tron Evolution. Yeah, that. Did anyone care about that? Uh, people cared, and I don't think it did well. Mm. I don't. You know what I mean? I don't think. I don't think it ended up being a d- good game. Mm. But that was the whole thing with all that Tron shit. People were all excited that Tron was back. And then everybody's like, oh, it's just more, it's just not the same. You're like, yeah, that's the problem with bringing things back. That's it. That's the end of the show. That's the end of the list, anyway. Time for topic of the show. For this one, Colin, we go to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ where you can post your questions to be part of the show. This one comes from Ringo underscore stars. Ringo stars. Hey, guys. While playing Firewatch, I got the sensation that the game devs really wanted me to explore the world. I knew that I was probably missing some things within the game, but I had no reason to explore the world. Due to the lack of side objectives in the world, I did not have an incentive to explore. Maybe just by hiding some more of the caches around the map would have been enough to get me to spend more time in the world. My question is, 
Should game devs leave it up to the players to explore the world without any other reason to do so other than exploration, or do you think it's better when games include extra objectives to give meaning to the player's exploration? Thanks, Ringo Stars. P.S. I realized I loved you guys when I named my fantasy football team a Baker's Dozen. So it's an interesting point. Yeah, I don't think there's a right answer, though. No, I don't either. That's why I thought it would be a fun discussion. Yeah, well, in terms of it, I don't think, I don't think that you have a preference, but one size fit all for, for you know... For every game would not be right either. Sure, but oh, I mean, I think the problem too is the fact that, like, well, taking Firewatch as an example, right? Is I think that it comes down to the differences in gamers, right, and how they are, right? For me, I never deviated. Firewatch gave me my objectives, and I went and completed my objectives. And then, yeah, you talked to Mitch, I talked to you, any you guys, you know, when we did our review discussion, right? And it's like, did you find the burned out tower? Did you see the raccoon? Did you pick up the turtle? Did you see this deer? And I'm like. No, I didn't see any of those. And they're like, oh, well, is this one? I'm like, well, why would I go that way? You know what I mean? Games have done this weird thing, and it's it's years of being a gamer, right? And the fact of, like, here's your objective. Here's your mission. Go complete your mission, right? And so then it becomes that thing of, like, well, I don't want to deviate from my mission, right? Because it's always the joke with, like, when you're playing an, an RPG or anything, right? The fucking moon's about to crash into the earth or whatever, but I got to fucking help this lady get all her chickens in her pen. You know what I mean? Like I'm a Majora's Mask reference. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't. What are you doing? <laughs> the moon's, the world's about to end. Fucking help everybody. You know what I mean? But like, in like, so when you get into the situations like this, I feel like where there is this world, there are these references. There, it, it is this thing. Like, again, with the Firewatch is the example for the thing, right? I mean, I talked to Tim about this when we first came back, and we're talking about you know our problems or you know successes of the game, and I talked about the fact that it was like a roller coaster for me with the map and the the compass, right? Where it was like, I pull it out and it's like, why can't I run or answer the radio and done? It's like, I'd be, I'd be lost and I'm spinning around looking at this and looking up and like, well, where the hell am I? And like, what the dot isn't good. Why isn't it lying, putting a line on the ground? And then it was like, well, this, it, I want it to be a game, but it's trying to treat me like I'm really lost in the woods. And this is what it would really be like to be lost in the woods. And that was like, when I wrapped my head around, that was what Campo Santo was going for, right? It was like, okay, I get that and respect that. And then it was like that similar thing of like, well, I missed all this stuff, and I because it doesn't even feel like the world's that big, right? Like when you actually wrap your head around and start moving around the Firewatch map, you're like, oh, this isn't as big as it seems on paper or whatever. But it, it can be cumbersome to navigate to here, there, you know, the other part. But it, I never had that thing of like, I really want to go out and see every part of this world because it was for me. There wasn't enough downtime, and I feel like where I was never getting a radio from Delilah, right? Who was like, hey. Go do whatever you want. Fuck off for 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. It was very much like go check on this. Go do that. And so I'm looking at this map in this strange place and trying to figure it out. And so that was the thing of like I don't hold it against uh, Campo Santo in this regard that there wasn't more of a reason to go explore. But there was a reason to go explore. And so that's this weird thing of like I guess if I like the game enough to go back and replay it, that's what I would do, right? And be out in the woods for a little bit and just listen to the sounds. Because, you know, the ambient noise is great. The visuals are great. There's that, you know, scene where you kick back up and you're there drinking beer watching the sunset or whatever, right? Or just drinking beer over a waterfall. Or I forget which one it is. And, like, that was a great moment. I wouldn't have mind doing, having more of those moments in game where it's just me doing that. But I never thought when I was playing to do it because I was trying to get to the end and see the story and find the objective. Yeah, I think you know, I, Firewatch is uh, Firewatch is it's a it's a fine game. It's just I agree with you. I, it felt empty to me, and I, I think that maybe it's just our our expectation that there's going to be more. You know, like yeah. the letters that we were reading and all the drop boxes, for instance, were there, but like the boxes were full of pine cones and stupid shit like that. Like the they're beer cans, but there's no reason to pick them up. Like I just I don't like a game that is latent in terms of like being like, well, I mean, I has guess. stuff to has stuff as opposed to like. 
you know, I I don't I, I don't want to keep comparing it to Gone Home, but I think Gone Home is just better than it in every way because it's it's tighter, but it's also it also immediately tells you like explore, do whatever you want, like but search and rifle through things and find letters and hear the story of these girls and this family and put and, and connect the dots right um in a way that is very real and very obvious and what you have to do the game can be beaten in less than 90 seconds but you don't play it like that and uh layers of fear is another great example like you know you go through sh- drawers and shelves and cabinets and nine out of ten times 14 out of 15 times 19 out of 20 times there's nothing in them but when you find something it advances the story and you become accustomed to looking for things and if you went through that game without doing that there would be no context for anything that was happening so yeah. um you know, I think that you know, but I I think there's a there's a there's a comparison that is more apt for PlayStation gamers, which I think is Naughty Dog and what they did with Uncharted and what they did with The Last of Us. Um, Uncharted gives you no reason to be off the beaten path. There are no really ways to go off the beaten path, and there's no reason to explore. But if you want to take in the vistas and look around, you can do that. The collectibles are meaningless, and um, there's a story being told in a cinematic way, beat by beat, in a very linear manner. The Last of Us has a linear story that's beat by beat as well, but the collectibles matter, and the environment tells you a story. Right. Um, and it's not to say Uncharted is better than The Last of Us or The Last of Us is better than Uncharted. I clearly think, personally, The Last of Us is way better than Uncharted. Different but, experiences. But they're very different. One's a pulp novel. One's um, almost inspired by like nonlinear role-playing games in a way. Um, just in a very tight and very, very um, limited way. But I think that there's an inspiration there where you're rifling. You know, Ellie's going through the record store talking to herself or playing the arcade, broken arcade game. These are little stories that can she tell that Uncharted doesn't do things like that. Um, it doesn't make one better or one worse. That's why I'm saying like the solution is not necessarily um, one or the other. Always Uncharted works f- totally fine the way it is. And that's why I don't want them to tweak it at all. I'm even a little disappointed that they put the choices in Uncharted for because it's like that's just let us play the game the way you want us to play it. No, no upgrades, no pa- branching paths, no sure, choices sure, sure. in dialogue. Like, that's the, not the game. Last of Us does that. I understand. Know? But I think the choice. I mean, I still think that mountain out of the molehill with the choices, right? The choices for dialogue in Uncharted are clearly just going to be cosmetic like you're saying goodbye to nate drake this is our final drake story right sure. so like just what moment mattered to you how would you respond to this one thing none of them are gonna like no none of the material exactly exactly but but then why bother that's like so you have because you care more at the end you're reminded of I all guess. the great times you had and you're gonna be sad when that game ends and you're gonna buy neil Druckmann a beer next time you see i guess him. that was the one thing where i'm like ah. like I the know. more i thought i was like all right that's cool but then the more i thought about it like and i've thought about it in the last few months i'm like I don't really think we need that. You know, like like that doesn't if it doesn't matter, then it then why is it in the game? You know, what I mean, like if it really doesn't materially change anything just to give you some fake agency, it's not even real agency. Player agency is important in some games and Mass yeah. Effect and stuff like that. But don't get Uncharted has never been about agency. It's about Drake. But that's the whole thing you're putting. You're putting like you're putting what we uh, other games give choices agency. This is giving you choice just for emotional resonance. You know what I mean? I don't think at any point. That's why I think. Druckmann from the get-go at PSX is like, this isn't, you're not, don't worry, it's not a big deal, it's not that kind of thing. I think it's strictly setting it up so that whatever happens at the, even if it's just armor on Elena, credits roll, you, you're like, man, I've had such a fucking awesome time with this four or five game series, you know what I mean? Even though I'm sure none of the choices will be like, <laughs> I love talking to Miranda Chase. You know what I mean? I think it's just going to be, it's just like, oh man, you're going to get a chance to mention or make some reference to these great experiences you've had with Sully Elena yeah. and the crew. You know, but this brings me back to a topic that I was thinking about when I was playing Layers of Fear, which was Layers of Fear. I like these kinds of games. These like the I'm liking them more than I thought. When I was younger and when I was a teenager, when I was, you know, spending lots of money on PS1 games and even SNES games earlier than that, PS2 games, 
I wanted bang for my buck, and I always, and I always, with the with the rare exception, always gravitated towards games I knew would take a long time because yeah. I felt like I was getting the most bang for my buck. And I realized that that's a flawed way of looking at games. People often get mad at me about The Witcher Three saying it's too dense. Well, in my opinion, it is, and um, you can have a different opinion. But there's this weird thought that's just ancillary to what we're talking about. That depth comes through things to do, and that depth comes um, with lots of tasks to complete. And the longer you play it, the better it is. And that's bullshit. And that's nonsense. And what we've seen in sequence on PS4 this year is our three games that take cumulatively less than 10 hours to beat. So Gone Home, Firewatch and Layers of Fear that are both tight one night experiences. You can beat them right after dinner and, and still have time to watch the news at night and, you know, do whatever it is you're going to do. You know, like they're they're short, brief game. You can do a slow jerk if you want, but they're slow. um, games in terms of what you're doing at the time yet yeah. fast experiences that are way better than many games that take 50 hours to beat and have way more emotional resonance and way more to say than and i'm not saying necessarily which are three of the fall four no no you're not examples. making a direct comparison but we have to shake this notion that there's no room for games like this uh. and then we have to shake this notion too that i think that there's there's room for all sorts of different kinds of games, which brings me back to the Uncharted versus The Last of Us Well, real quick, mentality. before you jump, I think, <clears throat> I think the majority of people are out with you and uh, us, right? That I, can, I, lo- I love these two to four out, five hour games where it is, let's sit down and go, right? I think that there's the vocal minority who's like, eh, not a real game, walking simulator, blah, blah, blah. It right. shouldn't be that much money. Right, but the point is, is and, and this goes back to the point we've made in the past about exploration in terms of pricing structures, is that there are $60, 50-hour RPGs that are worth much less to me than Gone Home. You know? Yeah. And Gone Home to me is worth more than $20. Now, they're not going to get away with charging more than that, but the point is, is that there's all these different correlations that we've drawn in our minds that I think we have to shake and, on, mm-hmm. and rewire mm-hmm. that go back, I think, to a more primal and primitive state of gaming where we really, you know, and it's not even... Because there were people like us in the 80s and 90s that could buy any game they wanted and it didn't matter and they played... Lufia and they were like oh I don't want to play this anymore and they just put it on the shelf and then they go buy Final Fantasy 3 and they're like I like this and I only play for 20 hours and they, but like we come from a place and I think a lot of our audience does where we come from like you buy your game and you have to get as much, much you are out of locked it. As, into that and as we get older we're not locked into those choices anymore yeah. at all yeah. we can buy whatever you want you know a lot of us we just have to look at different ways of, of examining the situation and I know this is, doesn't go back to the question he was um, asking directly but I just think that it reminds me of that, that, you know, we have expectations of like, well, should this game have done this that this other game didn't? I'm like, why? You know, like, yeah. Firewatch is its own game that does its own thing. And, it, and there is no reason to explore it in my mind. But there are apparently reasons to explore it if you want. But they, they, since there was no hook to, to even tell me I should or could explore, I didn't. See, I think that's a flaw in game design. I don't think that's necessarily a flaw in having the game the way it is. Sure. I'm with you. I'm with you. And like, I'm the same way of like, you know, let's run it down. You know, the, the tr- there's no objective for me to go do go off the beaten path and find the turtle. There's no trophy for me going out and doing anything different. So I never, ever thought or in, really was in desired to explore. Right. But. It's. I think it's a similar thing to what you're saying of like shaking it up, like right. Like I saw these, what to me are signposts of no trophies and no objective, and why would I go do it? You know what I mean? Like, and so without those nudges, I'm not going to go do it. But maybe it is that thing of like it. It. This is such a again to your thing. There's no right or wrong answer, right? It's such a personal choice of like it's awesome that people wandered around the woods and found all this stuff. And I know I heard stories on uh, in the comments of our video of people carrying the boombox around, and just exploring the woods and seeing what's up. You know what I mean? Not doing the objective. And that's awesome. But that's just not how I'm wired. And maybe I need to reconsider that or think that through. If that's what I want, it wasn't. I I wanted the story. I ran through. I didn't run through. I went through and got the story and had a great experience. You know, one night after dinner, like we're saying. So it's you know. 
lady's choice, basically. Yeah, saying. the one thing I'm interested in with these kinds of walking simulators, these first-person explorative brief games, is yeah. when do we get tired of them? We've, we've mm-hmm. talked about open-world fatigue and non-linear fatigue. Sure. Which is real. And uh, this comes from a... This is a product of games looking at uh, Mass Effect or looking at uh, Fallout 3 and being like... Or Skyrim or something like that and being like, well, this is what we want to do. And then it takes years to implement that idea. And by the time the idea the game comes out, it's like, well, I don't give a fuck about this anymore. And so how many of these clones are we going to see and how many of them fail and how many of them do well? And then when do we move on to the next thing or whatever? Because there are masters at this. Sure. At this kind of thing. I mean, we, we I shit on Telltale sometimes, but there are masters at what they do. To a lot of people, I think that it's a little tired, but, you know, with with um, with Tacoma, you know, which is the next game from you know, Fulbright, the, the, from Fulbright, the guys that did Gone Home, like they're the masters. They're the ones that are going to set the bar. It's the same way I feel about uh, Ted Lev- or uh, Ken, Ted, not Ted, Ken Levine's next game, you know, knowing what he did with Bioshock, not Bioshock Infinite, which I still need to get back to. But the original Bioshock resonated with me so deeply that he's the one that sets the standard for right. storytelling and first-person shooters. I don't even really care what anyone else does compared to him, even though other people are doing story-driven first-person shooters, sure. like Wolfenstein. So there's a lot of excitement there, but you also have to wonder because of the latent nature in which games are developed and the way people are inspired and the way things get going that we are certainly going to run into a wall with this kind of game. Like, it's there's no be, doubt about well, it. Well, I mean, it's one of those, it'll be like every other genre where there'll be so many that come around that just, it, it's when we run into these games that won't have anything to say. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. It's when you see, it's always going to be a, a format for indies to get out there and tell a story, right? And so when you have people who are doing it, but not telling a good story or not giving you any hooks, that's when it's going to be like, well, what the fuck? Why? You know what I mean? And then it will be, you fall back to, well, what is uh, Fulbright doing? What is Campo Santa doing? What is, you know, the next one like that way? You start trusting in the instincts sure. of the people. Colin? Yes. It's trophy time. What do you it got is. for me this well, week? Me, in the, in the newest... P.S. I love you XOXO segment where we run through trophies that have been added to the network, trophies we've been getting. Well, in terms of the trophies we've been getting, we talked about the games pretty in depth, but uh, Saturday Morning RPG is a doable platinum. It's going to take time and some grinding, but you can do it. There's a lot of secret trophies so you can yeah. do online. Layers of Fear has collectibles. Um, I think I'm finding everything, but I'm, they're not popping, so I don't. They, there must have been things I missed. Sure. Layers of Fear is going to be one of those. Layers of Fear doesn't have a platinum which sucks now that i know that but it doesn't need a platinum this is a game that doesn't need a platinum but it's one of the, you're going to be able to 100 it no problem because you can go through and chapter select in and out of what you need so you'll be able to watch let's plays you know over there at ps4 trophies or whatever on the youtube it's funny you say that because ps4 trophies is here and they have 100 of the trophies there you go see uh, I, i'm sure they already have let's plays up and for then, you to go through and get walkthroughs and then trails of cold steel i just looked at the trophies there are some hidden trophies but uh it's gonna be tough i was gonna say that you gotta be jrpg that's gonna be a giant i'm not even bothering with that uh new trophies that have gone up assassin's creed chronicles went up for vita there is a platinum in it don't know the release scheduling for that sure funk of titans i don't know what that is ps4 and vita has a platinum uh dre D-R-E-I-I has uh, trophies up. No platinum. PS4 and Vita. Screen cheats trophies are already up. It does have a platinum. Uh, Far Cry Primal up yet? Far Cry Primal is not up. But I wonder... Um, let me, no. Let me go to Exo phase. And While you the, do that, I'll tell you. Hitman Go. A fun game. If you haven't played it or seen it before, you know, you're moving your little character around on this little board. It's, it reminds me a lot of uh, the old magnetic football thing where the characters rumble around or whatever. Those kind of character pieces, you take Hitman and knock people off and try not to get hit by other people or whatever, right? I said earlier it's going to be an easy platinum because, again, you'll be able to sit down with a walkthrough video. And since it's, uh, it's not going to be like, I don't think, speed-based, but even if it was, you could memorize it. It could be super short. But it's going to be about optimized paths and doing everything else. So what I'm going to do personally for hitman go right is played on vita and i'm gonna go jump into it play through one time by myself learn it, and actually enjoy it and then come back with walkthroughs and figure out like because there's like three objectives for every level to get you know of like 
get through doing this or that or whatever. I didn't write them all down, but you'll be able to knock it out and get a platinum, I bet, pretty easy. And if you want just the platinum, you could probably just walk all, you know, watch the walkthrough video, do it again. Uh, that's it, really, for trophies. Not, not much new has popped. Okay. Pardon the pun. It's okay. Um, I have two things for you. And it actually kind of jumps off of what we were talking about. You ready? Cheap boss attack. Over at kindoffunny.com slash PSQ, where you can ask questions to be on the show. Wanted to write in, and he directed a trophy time, which I thought was interesting. The first time somebody's directed a question at trophy time. He says, or she says, Narrative adventure games seem to be hit or miss in terms of trophy quality. As you've mentioned a few times, Firewatch list is just bad, and Colin's favorite developer, Telltale, he puts in parentheses, Winky Emoticon, hands out platinums just for finishing one of their games. I understand developers don't want their players losing immersion by breaking away from the story, but it's possible to leave the best of both worlds. Life is Strange is perhaps the best example. In typical episodic adventure style, the player earns plenty of story-related trophies throughout each of the game's five episodes. However, developer Don't Nod plays into protagonist Max's photography student background and allows the player to locate hidden photo ops for the remainder of the trophies. Photography is part of her character, and snapping these hidden photos never brought me out of the story. The game's collectible mode also allows players to enjoy the story first, giving them the opportunity to revisit completed chapters in order to hunt down those missing photos. As someone who enjoys trophies, I think they're a great excuse to replay a game I'd otherwise uninstall immediately after completing. Could other adventure game developers learn a thing or two from Don't Nod's Life is Strange? How else could a formulaic adventure developer like Telltale broaden their trophy horizon without breaking immersion? Cheap boss attack. I agree with him a thousand percent. On You haven't played Life is Strange, right? No, it's on the list fantastic implement of trophies of like yeah you go through you're playing you're taking photo like you when you start an episode right you open max's journal and there's all these like sketches of like like a bird and it'll have, you know like oh i gotta look for a bird and eventually take that photo to fill in that op and when you do that it pops a trophy but it was one of those like i was trying to get them but i wasn't like deviating from the story form because i knew there's a whole collectible mode where at the end of it you can pop back into this collectible mode with your save go to any spot and then go and try to find the photo op or like i did Look through a walkthrough and figure out where I'm missing these things. Go through and get the platinum, right? So the collectible mode is like turns the story off and you can just walk around the environments. Exactly. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, you, I mean, you can still advance and talk to people, but it allows you to jump chapter to chapter, segment by segment, and go through and get what you need or whatever. Cool. So um, really well done. I still say that, you know, I understand the idea of, of trophies of breaking immersion, but I still say that Quantic Dream did a really great job with uh, Heavy Rain and, and Beyond Two Souls with... First of all, an entirely hidden list of obscure trophies that you could still get access to if you want. You know, you can just go online and figure yeah. out what they are. But um, that don't even pop when you get them. They get pop like during load screens. Yeah, so yeah. like, it, I, I think it's a cop out. I do agree that Firewatch's trophies were totally cop out trophies. Um, and uh, they know better. They said that in the, you know very graciously in the games cast that they know now. Yeah, like, they've learned know, what people really what yeah. matters to them. But their vision for this was that right. And I get that. I get what they're going for. But I, you know, but like it was the big thing of like, uh, uh, I think it was, I think it was Sean on the games cast when he was talking about it. Right, it was like he didn't want, so, well, I can't, no spoilers, don't worry. He didn't want somebody carrying the boombox over to this very pivotal moment to get a trophy. But that's also on him, him to, to do yeah. that, right? Like that, and that's the whole thing. Is I think a great Heavy Rain's a great example of it. Just hide all the trophies. Let me play through it one time, and all I'm popping is. I completed this chapter. I did this thing. Whatever. You know what I mean? And then it does become the obscure. Now I have to do this and take that. Or yeah. Do this Heavy Rain Platinum. I have the Platinum in that game. And it's it's hard. It was hard. And yeah. It was annoying. Yeah. But it, that it, fucking but it was, driving down the road yeah. the wrong way. God damn it, Ethan Mars. But it was worth it. And I still feel like 
trophies don't matter to everyone, but I do think they matter to a significant. I've said this before. They matter to a significant portion of the hardcore PlayStation audience. They do. Yeah. And um, just like achievements matter to Xbox's audience, core audience, a lot of it. Some people don't care. Some people come in and out. That's totally cool. And and I I, I never like the judgment, the value judgments on like oh, trophies don't matter. Well, they do matter to me, and they matter to you, and they matter to lots of us. Uh, it doesn't mean that's the reason we play games. It's yeah. not. Um. So. There are there clever, unimmersive, you know, unimmersion breaking ways to um, to implement them. Sure. There are plenty of examples of that. So, um, yeah. So I agree with you. I think that, you know, there needs to be a little more thought put into this. Dev- devs are clearly getting better at it. So it's not like a huge, huge problem to me. But sure. Um, yeah. I like I've, I've never had a, a huge problem with Telltale's just giving them to you for playing because that's the way they want them to do it. But it, I like that it sometimes amounts in a platinum or whatever. But if I was going to if they wanted to change that or if they were looking for feedback on it, what I would say is I'd want it kind of be like infamous where it's like come to a different conclusion or at, at the end. Right. Like there's these pivotal points where I'm making a choice and I'm ending somewhere else. Right. Like there's got to be places that I could end up with a character like we'll say Katja or whatever from season one, right? Or where I could get a different kind of trophy and not have it be immersion breaking where somebody's sobbing over their dead husband or whatever. And like all of a sudden I got to deal with that. You know what I mean? Like not do it that way, but something to, if I wanted to, if you're going to have me replay it to come back with more knowledge, I sure. guess one final Colin trophy time tip for everybody. If you want to get involved, ladies and gentlemen, the kind of funny community over at kind of slash trophy wars on the forums are doing the trophy wars community trophy wars where they're all going to go against each other earn trophies throughout the month of march see who earns the most trophies so you need to go to kind of funny.com slash trophy wars to sign up right now they have prizes and this is all community run so you go over there to the kind of funny forums they'll hook you up and take good care of you colin yes it's time for reader mail maelstrom mail call that's it Okay, good. Uh, guess what? A lot of people had things to say because last week we did our, we touched on, I guess we just, you know, the groundhog came out and we did the same thing we do every three weeks where we talked about uh, digital versus physical games. So we had a whole bunch of people write in, lots of people saying, surprise, surprise, they love physical games. We're crazy people mm-hmm. that they're not ready for it. But here's a few interesting ones that I thought bucked the trend that weren't just saying I'm physical. I would say the majority of you wrote in saying you're physical over, of course, at kindoffunny.com slash PSQ. Go there to be part of the show, just like Mr. Yams did. Mr. Yams, a.k.a. Brian D., says, Dear Greg and Colin, Last week you can continue the conversation about physical versus digital games. While both sides have a legitimate argument, I am not going to fool myself into thinking that physical will be around forever. However, I am a game editor at New Game Network and receive review codes for games sometimes, and my issue is digital is is not just that I can't trade it in or the cost. It has to do with the size of my console's hard drive. I realize that one terabyte consoles have been released since the original console's release date, but to me, that's not good enough. So my question is, what is enough HD space? And when do publishers push for consoles to have more if they haven't already? Love the show and keep up the good work. P.S. I love you, even on my bad days. Brian D. Of course, you can upgrade your PlayStation 4 hard drive quite easily. But the big thing here, this goes down to having games on the shelf cluttering your house special edition boxes over there just fucking delete games yeah i don't get this argument i i i the ps4 especially has you just go all the way to the right you go to the library the library and it has everything and you just click on it right and then it downloads it to your console is yes. it like really that is it really that hard you i know, I, I don't get it i I'm, don't get it i'm a fan of space like anybody else i have the biggest you know card i can have in my vita there i got as soon as we got the playstation 4 before ever i turned it on 
shoved in a new hard drive, a one terabyte hard drive, right? And I like just forgetting about it, like set it and forget it, romp appeal style, mm. and just not worry about it. But when I do get to that point where it's like, whoa, I'm too full, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And just go through on PS on Vita, upload my saves to the cloud if I'm ever going to play that game again, but I'm probably not. Just delete a whole bunch. On PS4, it's that thing of like, when I beat Gone Home and I 100% of the trophies, right? I saw it on my thing and I was like, well, one of my favorite games in a long, long time, but delete it. It's in the library. My save is still on the system, if not in the cloud. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not. I don't think it's on the system once you put it in the cloud. But the on PS4. Yeah, I thought that was on Vita. Vita's the Vita's that way. Yeah, the saves I think are, are tethered the same way, but I could be wrong. Okay. But uh, I always my, my chat. Just goes, I'm sure my the shit, comments will for sure let us know. My shit just goes in there automatically. Anyway. Exactly. But, but uh, yeah, I have a 16 gig heart uh, memory card. In my Vita. It's a pain in the ass sometimes, but like I, I know it's my own mental block. Yeah. I don't need all this shit on my fucking Vita. You know, like I don't. I'm not gonna play. Any of these games again, you know, and I just keep them there to make me feel better. It's just it's our own, you know, I get what he's saying. It's not always convenient. Sometimes people don't have good Internet speeds or they're they're capped or something like that. Yeah, that's a problem. And I get that. Yeah. Uh, but these 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 limitations and these barriers will not exist forever. Um, I understand that the 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 retail versus digital fight r- rages on for many people um, and that, you know, we haven't swung and turned things upside down yet with digital games versus retail games in, in terms of these AAA games. Um, but more and more games are coming out digital only that are huge. Um, and, um, and I don't mean that in file size, I mean that these are big games and you can fight it all you want. I mean, like I, and that's your right. And these games will exist for a while to fill this niche, but eventually it's not going to matter. I mean, it's, it's over, you know, like yeah. it's, the dice cast. It's just a matter of w- how long this takes. And really it's not going to be so much about the internet and, and connectivity. That's going to matter, but it's also going to be about stores. Yeah, stores and and who's gonna still be buying games in person in ten years? I mean, do you really want a game on a CD, a Blu-ray disc in ten years? Is that really where we hope we are still? You know, I, I I don't, I just you know, I respect the other side of the argument, and there is a lot of nuance to the argument in terms of people that live in places with bad internet connections. A lot of people are capped. A lot of people get um, throttled for using too much internet. I get all of that, but. We have to look at the bigger picture that this isn't the status quo is not the status quo forever. Sure. It's going to be different. Tigass writes in to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ just like you can. It says, hello, Greg and Colin. As a game collector, I was happy to know that Life is Strange was going to have a physical limited edition release with all kinds of goodies. I immediately bought a copy. I just loved the game and I wanted to support even more the studio. I know you preach that the future is all digital, but I believe the physical is still a good way, a damn good way, I say to preserve video games, protecting them from being removed from the store and defining what gaming will be, most likely played in the original platform and blah, blah, blah. Having a physical copy also means that my friends can easily borrow it or be sold in a secondhand store for some money back to reinvest in the next game. My question is this. Do you think more studios that do digital-only games should start investing in physical editions like Life is Strange? A physical edition of Super Meat Boy is coming, and I would just love to have more titles like Transistor, Hotline Miami, or Bastion on my shelf. And if they come with extra content, even better. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Tygo from Portugal. Do you, would you, I, it's one of those... I, this seems like what we're talking about, a little bit of what we're talking about here, right? Status quo is everything's this way, everything's that way. I think if there's an audience for it, sure. And that then it becomes like when Weezer puts out the Blue Album special release, you know what I mean? Or the 10-year anniversary, stuff like that. Like when a game like Life is Strange resonates in such a strong way where people are like, I love the soundtrack, I love these characters, I want behind-the-scenes commentary, I want that. That, you know, the audience is speaking, the market is demanding that content, right? I th- will you see more of that? Sure. I think that is we, but that's what we're talking about with like 
what is normal now becoming abnormal, right? As, yep. as we become more and more digital, then it's going to have to be that you have to tweet the developers you want, the publishers you want to go out and make something special for your game. Yeah, and I just think there's more money to be made for these developers ultimately by not doing it that way. So cutting out publishers completely if they can fund their own games, cutting out the middleman with uh, the merchants that and the shippers and all and the, and the manufacturers that there's just so many ancillary reasons i think why this is going to happen but mm -hmm. it's also just obviously going to happen how how quickly it's going to happen remains to be seen i understand there's a demand for it so shovel knight's getting a retail release and people or maybe it already has and i, I people are really excited about that and I, I i get it um to each his own i'm not judging your decisions i'm just saying that you know we are we are moving past physical like it's already happened everywhere else why do we think games are immune to this most, you know, you can go on Amazon and rent any movie you want digitally. Yeah. Who's buying CDs anymore? You know, Tim Gettys. He's literally the only person I know. Yeah, I know. Me you know, too. like, but we think games are immune to the same forces that, that have already shifted music and movies away from that. Like, yeah. It's nonsense. Our friend Mighty Jake wrote in kindoffunny.com slash PSQ to ease some of you digital haters. He says, in rebuttal to last week's question about digital games having no value, I would like to disagree and say that they have twice the value. I have a PS4 and an Xbox One, and my wife has an Xbox One, and we buy digital games exclusively. The sole reason is that you get two copies of the game when you buy digital. When you buy a game digitally, you get one license that is tied to you, your, tied to your console and another license that's tied to your gamer tag. The console license allows anyone to play the game on that console. The gamer tag license allows you to play that game on any console you are signed into and connected to via the internet. Now, for example, I bought one copy of Call of Duty. My wife plays on the main console, and I play on the secondary console connected to my internet, and bam, two games for the price of one. Now, that's what I call value. Mighty Jake. P.S. I was at the PSX Vegas Beyond panel second row. When are you going to post that pic with everyone holding up their Vita? I posted it that day on my Twitter. I think there was a video of it, too. So go back to... Uh, Quite to, a ways. Yeah, go back to 2014 December, my tweets. You'll find it there. Good tip, though. Mm -hmm. For people who want a reason to start buying digital games. Never really thought about that. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was the thing. You know, a couple weeks ago, we did the whole thing where it's like, oh, is it tied to you? We were, we were wishy-washy on what was happening. And I think I actually said, because it was the guy who was like, got a PlayStation 4. He bought it secondhand and was using those games and said that he could see the credit card information. That's one of my, I mean, he wasn't sure. going to do anything with it, but that was my big thing. Sure. He was clearly going in. But then a lot of people wrote in, they're like, well, if that guy's the master console, he could still be playing Bloodborne on his PSN ID, but using that. Sure. Da, da, da. But you and I never have to deal with that because there's like 15 PlayStations in this house. We right. just move from PlayStation to PlayStation like locusts. Mm. Oh, here we go. You want to talk about some Vita stuff? Sure. Artie Michaels. Wrote in to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ, just like you should be part of the show, and said, Hey, Greg and Colin, with so many indie titles dropping their promised PS Vita versions, Broforce, Gal Galaxy, Not a Hero, etc., or at least taking forever to release them, Axiom Verge, Mercenary Kings, etc., I thought I would ask you your thoughts on the ESRB rating port of XCOM Enemy Unknown, a fairly high-profile non-indie for our favorite portable. Before anyone flips out with excitement... This game was rated by the ESRB and reported on August 31st, 2015 by website PlayStation Lifestyle. In September 2015, a few sites re-reported re this info, but no news or release dates. Should we lose hope? No. Uh, so 2K, I think, has every indication of releasing that game. Remember that Civilization Revolution 2+, Plus, I think, vanished. It is out in Asia and other places, but then like was just it was supposed to come out 
now-ish and then was pushed away for some reason. Mm -hmm. They're probably having some problems of some sort. I think that that's probably a similar thing with this game. I think, you know, it's not rating your game takes time and money and like the, I don't think they do it for no reason not that not that 2k can eat the cost of that they can but sure. I think the game's coming I just think that dude I hope so I love XCOM and I'd love to play on Vita yeah I think there's just probably planning and, and things that go into that I wouldn't necessarily lose hope in that I think that um, that's that's going to come I remember that story and yeah, and, uh, yeah I understand why those, those things happen you have to remember that like just because the ESRB rating leaked doesn't mean that the game was necessarily ready to go or right. that it fit within their marketing or, or release plans for the game it, they didn't intend that to happen obviously so um, I, I have little hope, but I hope it happens. Oh, I think it's going to happen. I I want I want you to be right. I want a hashtag Colin was right on this Colin. We'll see. But I hashtag hope against hope. We'll see. Yeah, we will. See, Why? Colin. What's the reason that they wouldn't release it? I don't know. Just doesn't. It's. I mean, who cares about the Vita? Other than us. Other than them. Other than the Vita Lounge. Sure. That's it. I. I mean, I think that's just the main thing. They're like they went investigated, went through, did all this stuff, and then it was just like, all right, well. Sony's giving up on this device as we were doing this. <laughs> They're publicly like, eh, we're kind of done with it. And we're like, eh, what are we going to do with it? It's, 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 it's one of those still that's weird to me that XCOM 2 isn't on uh, PlayStation 4 or Xbox One yet. You know what I mean? It's a PC game, and that's all they're saying about it right now. Like, mm. Yeah. Come on, bro. These guys are weird. Uh, they are weird. <laughs> Speaking of weird, Jeremiah Jux wrote and said, Hi, Colin and Greg. Hello. I love your show and will always support Kind of Funny. I recently started Bastion on Vita and I am loving the experience. So much so that I kinda, I cannot wait to play Transistor, but I was heartbroken to find it isn't available on Vita. I tweeted at Supergiant Games to see if it will ever come to Vita and they replied with, We don't have plans to bring Transistor to, Transistor to the Vita, though we appreciate the interest. I guess I'm settling for the PS4 version. But this made me wonder, are some indie developers straying away from the Vita now too? Follow-up question, Greg, do you still plan to Platinum Bastion. Thanks for everything. P.S. I love you all for life. Jeremiah Jux. Answering my part first. Yes, I'm gonna put Platinum ba Bastion, but I'm I every I feel like right now it's not a a rough spot, but it's like a quiet time where I look at the Vita. I'm like, tons of games I want to play in Vita, and then I have to go no. So much travel coming up in the next like four months. I gotta I gotta save stuff. Otherwise, I'll be on the plane being like, what the hell am I gonna play on this thing? Squares again? Sure. Um, back to his question though. Are developers giving up on it? I think. Transistor in particular, I know it doesn't look that intense, but it's one of those, could that run on PlayStation no, 4? I don't think so. And, it, and to make it run on PlayStation 4, it would take a lot of time. Vita. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. Mm. To make it run on Vita, a lot of time, investment. I know it, you don't think it would, but it would. To go in there and take away particle effects, do different stuff. Kind of like Resogun, right? Where eventually, yeah, it's okay. It's running over there, but it's different. Yeah, people are like, see, you're wrong. Resogun could run on Vita and PS3. And I'm like, if you say so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very different games on those platforms. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that there are people that are the I am of the mind that Vita will continue to get new games even in like 2018. It's a matter of like we have to just set our expectations like when the PSP died. Yeah, it died very slowly and the Vita is dying very slowly. So um, are some people straying away from it? Sure. But I still think that, you know, we're still getting games for it. We're still going to get games for it. If you want more games for it, you better start buying Vita games now, yep. you know, and, yeah. and show you know, word of mouth. Now people are doing that. I, you know, Biffle tweeted again about volume and how well it's doing on Vita. So clearly it's happening. And it's also super awesome to see a developer say, Hey, other developers, you're, I'm seeing success here. If it's not that hard. Well, that's why it. I think it's important. It's not to show Sony. I think that Sony no, knows sure. one way or the other. It's just these guys word of mouth, you know, like your game may be worth bringing to Vita because X amount of people played my game on Vita. And so I, I yeah, are there, are there fewer games coming out? But yeah, but there are games almost every week. And you have to remember that like Axis and Xseed and um, uh, NIS and uh, like they're bringing they have, games. They have not abandoned the Vita. No, in any not way, at all. Like 
these games are still coming yeah. from these publishers. You just we just have to get more comfortable with our niche indies and our and our Japanese games. That's all. Right. That's what that machine's built for. And that's what the machine is. Viva La Vida. Uh. No, am I losing my patience with Axiom Verge? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the first guardian wrote into kindoffunny.com slash PSQ and says, Hey guys, why has Sony been so slow in making TV shows and movies with their PlayStation IPs since they already own several production studios? We haven't heard anything from Infamous and Uncharted produced by A.V. Ayred, among others. Plus, I find it strange that Activision and Ubisoft are opening film studios and Sony doesn't have a dedicated movie studio for PlayStation. They should have been, there should have been a Parappa or the Rappa TV show 20 years ago. You gotta believe. First off, if you've learned nothing from just watching PlayStation Europe and PlayStation America and PlayStation Japan, even th- that under the branding of PlayStation has always been very weird. People are announcing this. The deals aren't sunk up the same way. PlayStation Plus is working differently. It's always weird and awkward. So then when you take it out to Sony and you're like, now not only are we going from PlayStation, we're going to the Sony brand and going to Sony Pictures and going like, there's so many different things there. And also, why do we want that stuff? Yeah, why do we want that I stuff? I don't get it either. I, I you know, when we were young, we had our we had Captain N and we had Super Mario TV show. Yeah, Super Mario TV show and you know some Zelda stuff and all. You know, like Mega Man yeah. had a cartoon stuff and and they're fine. They're interesting. It's just like they were just marketing tools to get you to buy games and toys. That was right. it. So do we want these specifically to be conduits by which we play the or buy the games? Like I just think like why can't games games are legitimate on their own. We don't need TV shows and movies. Like yeah. I'm super interested to see how that Michael Fassbender Assassin's Creed movie does because my theory is that it's not going to do very well. I mean, and and and. and uh, but Assassin's Creed does fine and has it's just they're not the same audiences. You sure. Know? I, we don't you hope that. it's one of those you hope that like with the Fastbender thing, you're like, I hope this is the first great video game movie. You know what I mean? Because like, how many times have we seen that come around where you're like, I remember when Jake Gyllenhaal was cast as Prince of Persia. I was like, huh, he kind of looks like him. And then, of course, that movie was garbage. You know what I mean? It's well, fuck. Is there ever going to do we, they keep fucking up video game movies? I'm not anxious for them to make more video game movies. The un, He mentions the Uncharted movie and it's like. So from day one, I've been like, please don't do that. And then like, and Mark Wahlberg is going to be in it. I'm like, God, please don't do this. You know what I mean? And then it never happened. And I had said for a long time that I thought Last of Us was the first one that really had a shot at it because Neil was so closely involved. And other people point at Warcraft, but even looking at the Warcraft trailer and not being a Warcraft fan, I'm like, man, this doesn't look like a fun film that I want to see. It looks terrible. So it's it's like, I like it. How does that capture the essence of why you love Warcraft? Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I'm glad that Neil's writing The Last of Us if anyone had to do it. I just don't want that movie to happen. I agree. And that's the thing is like, I loved the experience how it was and stand on it. It's you a know game. I mean? It's a great game. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make it any less important. And how many people are you going to suck in that don't already know? You know what I mean? Like video games have already hit the convergence point. You don't need to worry about like, you know, my mom's not going to watch The Last of Us movie. But, hmm, well, no, I want to go play the game. No, yeah. it's not going to happen. No, no. It's, it's not, maybe it's not all about that anymore. Maybe it's more about extracting value out of the IP you own, but I, I don't know. I don't see it like that. Dim Duck. Also named Russell, which he, I, mean, I would just use that as your name from now on. Anyways, he wrote in to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ, just like you can ask questions, and he has the honor of being the last question. He says, hey, Colin and Greg, given your long history in the industry, I was wondering if there was anyone you still really wanted to interview or speak with professionally. Personally, for me, I always wanted to hear Colin speak with Michael Pachter. I would love to hear them talk more about the business side of gaming, and perhaps it would give us insight into how some of these companies think in terms of how companies decide how much to spend on marketing and maybe the impact of Sony's consolidation into SIE. Thanks, Russell. P.S. Long Island is wonderful this time of year. You guys should come visit. Well, maybe I will. Is it nice this time of year? No. It's cold uh, as shit, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, my dad was telling me it was like zero degrees. Oh, fucking thank you. No um, way. 
I don't know. I, I I think I would love to sit down with Phil Spencer. Damn, that was my pick too. Um, we've or, never had the chance to sit down and pick his brain, or even Kazurai. Like guys that are like way, 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 way up on the on the ladders. Although we've talked, you know, Phil Spencer's, you know, we've talked to Jack Trenton and, and Phil Spencer, and, an approachable dude. I've yep. tweeted at him. We've tweeted. We he came by when I was interviewing Cliffy Three and hung out and you know watched us do it. Um, he's a good dude. Yeah, I mean, there's people people's brains I'd like to pick, but maybe just sure. off the record too. So of course, yeah, uh, Todd Howard would be one, and and uh, Ken Levine and the guys like that. I mean, I, off I the record, not, Kojima. Yeah, not necessarily. I I don't have any necessarily desire to publish anything that I would talk to with any of these guys, really. But sure. Um, but I've also gotten to meet a lot of my heroes. You know, exactly. Yeah, KG and Fune many times. Iga, which was awesome. So, um, probably my two favorites. So, you know. You gotta be thankful for what you've gotten. We've already talked Plus, to Jack Trent. I'm Jack Trent's favorite interviewer. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Jack, Jackie T. Hey, Colin. Hey, Colin. How you doing? We have a lot of cool things. Or we have a lot of exciting prospects coming to the PlayStation platform. Colin? Yes. Time for PS I Love This Best Friend XOXO. If you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is where one of you fellow best friends have written in to kindoffunny.com slash forums on the PS I Love You XOXO board saying you need friends to play with on the PlayStation Network. So I give you their name and their sob story. You friend them on the PlayStation 4, Vita, PS3, PSP, become their best friends. This one comes from Matt Norris 8. M-A-T-N-O-R-R-I-S 8. That's also his PSN name. He says, I just moved to a new town in the, and don't have as many friends. Well, he's got a problem here. Okay, hold on. I just moved to a new town and don't have as many friends to meet in real life to play games. Please help fill the very real hole in my heart with some virtual loving. Everyone needs to go virtual love. Matt Norris 8. All one word, one T, the numeral eight. Are you doing it? Thank you. You can use the PlayStation app. It's very simple to make friends. Next segment. This week's forgotten PlayStation game. Colin. Too bad, Colin. Piers. JM11 says, I know it's a bit unorthodox to suggest a forgotten PlayStation game, but one game that keeps nagging at me is a PS2 game called Maximo Ghosts to Glory. What? Is That's that- the fucking choice. It's a great game. I know, but like we're going back that far. I've never seen someone write in to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ and try to hijack the segment. All right, well, so when enough. he did it, I had to give him a nod. That's fair enough. He says, uh, Ghost of Glory. It was a Capcom game that was kind of a spiritual successor to Ghosts and Go- the Ghosts and Goblins series. I remember when I was a kid just how, oh my God, when he was a kid. This is I like, think I was in college. This when is that the game first game I can tell you I ever ordered from GameStop.com and had delivered to my college dorm room, and I had, it came with the red box, the boxer shorts that were white with the hearts on them as a pre-order bonus. God, I remember when I was just, I remember when I was a kid, just how hard it was for me to play it, and eventually I gave up. I saw it on PSN as a classic, so I might just have to pick it up now. I would love to hear your two's thoughts on it. I didn't know it was a PSN classic. Now there you go. That's why it pops up. I guess PS2 classic. Uh, I don't really remember much about it. Like I remember the game. I remember the box. I remember reading the previews and all. I don't remember like what it is. I remember the cool of it. Like you started in all your armor, and then and then as you took hits, you fell off, and then eventually you'd be down to just your boxer shorts and your sword. And that was like ah cute. And that's why it came with boxer shorts, and it was a big deal. Fun game. I remember. Now that's if it's a for sure. Is it? Do you know for sure a PS2 classic on there? If I mean that sounds right. If Piers JM11 says it is, it must. I don't think it's on PS4 though. I think it's maybe a PS3 one, but I don't know. That's some fucking trash. Shuhei Yoshida, fix that now. Mr. Capcom, fix it now. I had a good one this week, too. That's too bad. You can I save had an actual. Week. No, I'm, I'm going to save it. It's yeah, gone save forever? It. No, I'm never going to bring it up. You're going to abandon this Might segment? have been the best one that I ever had so far. Yeah. Wow. I hope you're happy. Except for Shatter. Piers JM11. You've robbed 
the kind of funny audience of some Colin Moriarty gold. And let me tell you, he's got gold in short supply these days. So you fucked us good on that one. <laughs> this works. Almost no. out of gold. <laughs> Time for PSN's worst name of the week. Remember, you can submit yours over at kindoffunny.com slash forums. This one comes from Andy. Andy says, what's up, team? This happens to unfortunately be a story about my own PSN name. No, that's good, Andy. Remember, if you all keep submitting fucking Rocket League names, I'm going to take the segment away from you, and then I will give you no more gold. And I haven't had gold since 2008. One day, I found myself unable to purchase games through the PlayStation Network because my credit card I had saved was expired. After many attempts to fix the situation, I found myself unable to log in and had to call PlayStation customer service. That's when terror struck. The phone operator, who I can only imagine was a sultry, 25-year-old exotic swimsuit model, judging by her voice, asked me for my PlayStation Network name. It's Poop Suit Ryan. Riot. Poop Suit Riot, I That's exclaimed. a good one. Poop Suit Riot's a good one. Sorry, can you repeat that, she asked. Poop Suit Riot, I repeated. <laughs> Sir, you'll have to spell that for me, she replied. P-O-O-P. Then a burst of laughter from the other side. Oh, like Zoot Suit Riot. You should probably change that name to avoid awkward situations like this again, the incredibly gorgeous sounding now ex-ideal woman of my dreams suggested. I said, I can't tell Shuhei. Shuhei, I am out one future potential wife and a beautiful family now. Please let us change our PSN names. P.S. I love you guys. P.P.S. Yes, my PSN avatar is the swirly poop with a smiley face on it. Good job there. At least you nailed it. You committed to that. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a fun episode of PS I Love You XOXO episode 23, Michael Jordan's number. Thank you all for joining us on this ride. Remember, kindoffunny.com keeps the mics on, so go there. Watch all the videos. Subscribe to all the podcasts. Rate us on iTunes. Share us with your friends. Tell people you listen to this show so the show gets bigger and one day takes over the world and somehow Phil Spencer's on it. And he's just like, I really can't talk about any of the things you guys are talking about. It's against my policies. And we're like, Phil Spencer... I like the cut of your jib. Also, remember the number one PlayStation podcast on the internet. We post every Tuesday at 9 a.m. on YouTube.com slash games and MP3 services around the world. Thank you for your patronage. We love you very much. It's time to end the show, Colin, in a segment we call Singing a Shuhei. If you didn't know, each and every episode of PS I Love You XOXO ends in a song submitted by you, the Kind of Funny family. If you're an artist of some kind, you go to kindoffunny.com slash PSM, M for music. Submit your song as a link that I can download to play the MP3. And the MP3 I put at the end of this episode if you're listening to the MP3. And give me a YouTube link because if you're watching on YouTube, I annotate out at the end of that so I don't get a copyright strike or whatever. Also, jmac24 wrote in and said, could you guys put up a playlist of all the songs used on Singing to Shoehead? That's a great idea. Someone go make that and put it on <laughs> kindoffunny.com slash forums. You go there, go to the PSI Love You XOXO forum, make it there. I'm sure Jericho probably already has since he listened to this whole episode ahead of time to get everything up there. But go there, submit them. They're all, of course, linked out in the, the descriptions of the up there uh, YouTube versions of the thing. Today's Singing to Shoehead song comes from a friend of ours making a return to P.S. I Love You XOXO, Grimecraft. Hmm. Grimecraft writes in and says, Hey, would you guys mind reposting my tweet about my new track or putting in P.S. I Love You XOXO? It's my first of the year and it's being super slept on. And then in true Grimecraft fashion, he uses like a no symbol, a ZZZ, and a no symbol. He's using all sorts of emoticons here I didn't know existed. It's a remix for Big Bad Bosses, a.k.a. The Completionist. Nate Wants to Battle, Satchel Drakes, and Alex Fanchette. I don't know how that is. A.k.a. It's SGC all over again, Wolves. I forgot to mention, it's like a Final Fantasy VII-inspired track. It sounds good. It's Final Fantasy-inspired. I figured, why not? It fits with the audience. Everybody loves Grimecraft. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
If you love this song, go over to SoundCloud.com slash Grimecraft or iTunes or Spotify or YouTube, where I'll be annotating it to it as well. Pick it up there. Until next time, this is Grimecraft, and it's been our pleasure to serve you. This story feels so eerily real